coming. Teach a man not to defend him when he is the constant victim of brutal attack. I discharge my last duty as king. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. It really is a revolution. Upon this battle depends the survival of Christian civilization. Roger, we'll stop discovery. Welcome back. A great ending to the new beginning. Well, welcome to How Did It Come To This, where opinions in the news are settled by the facts of history. Sitting next to me is a woman who rattles sabers for a living. It's Siobhan Doherty. Hello, guys. And sitting across from me, it's a man whose saber doesn't rattle because it's a lightsaber. It's James Tuckwell. Howdy. And I'm Daniel Matters. <laughs> who is jealous of James's lightsaber. <laughs> well. You've got your own. Not for long because uh, James has recently purchased a oh, 3D printer. And uh, we're embarking on a mission to 3D print some lightsabers. Um, and uh, if that doesn't tell you what kind of men we are, then uh, nothing else will. <laughs> I was just going to say, just when I thought you guys couldn't get more nerdy. <laughs> Here we are. Wow. Wow. <laughs> this right. week, uh, two of Australia's biggest international partners increased their rhetoric against each other. Accusations of warmongering, arms races, and recognition of national sovereignty. Of course, we speak of China and the US who will potentially decide the fate of the world over the course of this century. Do world superpowers have the right to decide what is the course of our world? Does China really want war? Why does the US continue to provoke? Whose side are Australia on? What does a tiny island in the South China Sea have to do with it? What's a Belt and Road? Why do I dislike newspaper opinion pieces so much? And just like funk rock legends war, I ask... And ultimately, how did it come to this? Nice. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> I I've, agree. I've, I've tried to up the game. Why you can't know? we be friends? Well, you know, it's, it's we'll true. We'll get into it. <laughs> we, yeah, that's, yeah yes. that's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so oh, China. goodness me. Um, there was um, a lot of talk this week in Australian media. Um, yeah, I know it's still going. It's distracting. It's, oh, distracting. It's throwing me it's off my game. <laughs> Turn the music off. Um, yeah, there was a lot of talk in, in the Australian media this week. Mm. Um, so much. It blew up. It did blow up. It blew up. up. Yeah. It was um, overwhelming. Because yeah. one of our major newspapers in Sydney decided to publish a a week-long mm. thing that they yeah. were calling Red Alert because, you know... <laughs> There's sensitivity in the news. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, oh. and, and it was um, a bunch of... Um, a bunch of policy wonks that they got together um, <laughs> to, um, you know... Do a do a piece on are we ready for a war with China? Mm. Essentially, that was the the aim. Yeah. And um, can we just say, James has got it up on the screen at the moment? Just scroll up again. Like it's this huge red banner with uh, like what type of planes are those? I don't know. They I'm assuming look, they're supposed to be MIGs. They are they like MIGs, James? Scary ones, big flying J20s over China, mm. which is coloured in red yeah. towards us. Yeah. And yeah. It's really great objective um, reporting of the news. Well done, guys. Yeah. 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 Um, this is probably... I, I don't like opinion pieces in newspapers very much. Sometimes they're okay. I think they have a place, um, but they but, shouldn't replace actual news reporting. Well, and, and this is where the, the controversy started because mm. lots of people began um, talking about how, well, this is saber-rattling of the, yeah. the largest kind. Yeah. Um, and uh, there, there was lots of talk about... Um, some of these people might have been the people who wrote these stories and got mm. together might have been um, very scared about the way that the Labor Party, so Labor Party have just come into power in Australia, if you're not aware, um, yeah. and the way that they've been trying to stabilise yes. relations with China, yeah. um, which they've been doing and a successfully. lot. And successfully. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a couple of things. That Foreign um, Minister Penny Wong's been doing a great job. Yes, definitely. Um, there was a... Um, a report on the world today, which is a, an ABC program mm. um, where they talked to James Curran, who's professor of modern history at Sydney uni. Mm. Um, and he talked about how um, even though there's a couple of things still happening, like they still haven't released Australia from its economic sanctions that yeah. they've got going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, although that's not great. We think that that's probably, it's probably 
we're probably close to that stopping. Mm. Um, and then, you know, there's a couple of Australians that were arrested yeah. um, in China that are still under arrest. Um, but, um, you know, we're, we're making inroads and there's, mm. there's been talks at the highest levels. There's even possibility that, um, that our prime minister might go over for a visit later on this year. Yeah. Um, Which so is huge. How long has it been since it's the... It's been a long time. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't remember the last time. I'm not sure either. Would have been Rudd probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is the last one I remember at least. Mm. Um, so well over like 10 years. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, and so there's, there's this uh, group of people that, um, that James Curran thinks um, mm. believe that what we're doing right now in uh, under the name of stabilization is actually appeasement. Right. By another name. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> there are a range of perspectives that you can take when you look at any of this and that's one of them. I'm like, yeah. but the, the flip side is, um, you know, the fact that, and it's interesting that Sydney Morning Herald have, have done this and then the article I read from the Sydney Morning Herald was written by David Livingston, who is a former um, diplomat <clears throat> and an international security and strategy specialist who was like, this is all really, really unhelpful and, and not true. Like, um, there's absolutely nothing to suggest that a war with China is inevitable. And he actually likened it uh, to, I'll read the quote here, um, breathless exhortations for war carry an understandable and lamentable sense of deja vu. What do the failed and misguided wars of Afghanistan, Iraq and Vietnam have in common? The flawed argument by commentators and the defence community of Australia's security being vitally at stake. Yeah. So. Yeah. and so the other side. Yeah. And so, well, yeah, James Curran was talking about the idea that um, while we can't say that, you know, we wouldn't be a target necessarily, like Australia wouldn't mm. be a target necessarily mm. in in any sort of war. Yeah. Um. He was he was saying you know the the idea that missiles will be raining down. Yeah. <laughs> in all major cities is probably a, a little, step too far. A little. Yeah. Um, but, Alarmist. But he he did he did talk about the idea that well, there are things here that um, you know if if China was to start a war with the United States over Taiwan, which mm. we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. Um which will be then the catalyst. It is yeah. it is more than likely that we would be a target because of the strategic value we hold mm. in keeping Taiwan safe. Yes. But uh another article that I read was saying that in Australian reporting of this particular issue, it tends to think that there are only three perspectives that are taken into account and that is China, America and Australia. Yeah. And forgets the um uh, probably really important truth that, you know, how uh, Japan responds or how Korea responds or how India responds is actually way more important than yeah. how we respond. Yeah, definitely. And it's something that you see a lot in Australian media is kind of an, an overstatement of our significance <laughs> in, in all of this. Like we're a middle country, like, and we, I think we tend to like, it doesn't reflect in our media and people think we're more important than we are. Sure. In the same um, thing. Our, our importance would be as a, as a military outpost for the United yep. States in the Asia Pacific. Yeah. Um, and also our intelligence gathering mm. capabilities. Yeah. Yep. We're really good at specializing in, in specific things and, and providing those skills. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of where our, yep. our, our skill set is. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so I just thought I would quickly read the, uh, the news article that we're, we're looking at this week, um, which is from Time, um, and it's headlined, uh, There surely will be conflict, China's foreign minister warns, unless US changes course. Um, and it's written by uh, Arma Marahani uh, from the Associated Press. And they say, China's foreign minister has warned Washington of conflict and confrontation if it fails to change course in relations with Beijing, striking a combative tone amid conflicts over Taiwan, COVID-19 and Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Qing Gang's language appeared to defy hopes China's, uh, might China might abandon confrontational wolf warrior rhetoric. It followed an accusation by Chinese leader Xi Jinping that Western governments led, the, uh, led by the United States were trying to encircle and suppress China. 
Washington's China policy has entirely deviated from the rational and sound track, Chin uh, said at a news conference Tuesday during annual meeting of China's ceremonial legislature. If the United States does not hit the brake but continues to speed down the wrong path, no amount of guardrails can prevent derailing and there surely will be conflict and confrontation, Chin said in his first news conference since taking up the post last year. Such competition is a reckless gamble, with the stakes being the fundamental interests of the two peoples and even the future of humanity. Wow. (laughs) Yep. Um, So, yeah, so the United States uh, this week talked about... um, Accelerating timelines for the takeover of Taiwan. That, is what China, they were talking about. that China, China has is, an accelerated yeah. timeline to take yeah. over. And and there were lots of people talking about, you know, um, is it true? Don't know. Yeah. Where has it actually come from? Where yeah. is this information coming from? Yeah. Um, and um, but then in in the same interview that Jin Gung was talking in, mm. um, he also brought up Ukraine. Yep. And um, likened, um. China to Ukraine. Like in so China, China is Ukraine. China is Ukraine. Uh-huh. Explain that to me. So he's, he's, he was saying that, you know, China's sovereignty has been... Right, yeah, threatened. Threatened by Taiwan. <laughs> and the US is supporting Taiwan. Taiwan. Mm. Okay. So why shouldn't China well, support Russia? Yeah. And, th- and that's, the, that's the other fear. So Biden has also called him out yeah. um, about... Possi- the possibility mm. of supporting Russia against mm. Ukraine. Mm. And so all this is kind of tied up in the, well, if Russia and Ukraine, if the Russia-Ukraine thing goes one way, yeah. China might feel better empowered yeah. to go for Taiwan as well. Yeah, yeah. But again, like the article that I read on the City Morning Herald was saying that um, like it won't be done lightly. Like even though Taiwan is is small geographically, mm. it, it would be a huge thing for them to do. Well, they, yeah, and it threatens the 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 power of the Chinese Communist Party. Like if mm-hmm. it goes poorly, because China is a huge country, they have internal problems. Yeah, yeah. Um, this one of the factors um, that people are taking into consideration with this new like timeline is the aging population. Mm-hmm. Like they need to do it now. Yep. Um and um, yeah, but it's there are so many like it, and and in one respect, the Russian invasion of Ukraine has almost been kind of helpful, which is a bad way of putting. But like in that, it's not easy. Like um, it didn't go well for Putin. Like it's been long and drawn out, and it'll be the same with Taiwan. Yeah, it won't be easy. So. Yeah, no, and and I also think it's it's possible that an invasion of Taiwan might spark of a uh, more global conflict than potentially Ukraine definitely as, as well definitely um so yeah interesting mm. um so we thought so we're well, we going back in time well, yeah so we thought we'd go and we'd have a look at Taiwan kind of more in depth yeah yeah oh because yes so Taiwan will yeah. be the catalyst that causes this conflict in all likelihood yes. um so what is it about Taiwan what's the go with Taiwan what's the go now, with Taiwan I'm gonna go back way further than you think <laughs> Go Are you on. ready? Because I've got some interesting stuff to talk about. Go. Are you ready? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. We're going back to we're going back six thousand years. Jesus. Okay. Off you right. go. Here we go. <laughs> I'll be back in time. Back in time. Thank you, Huey Lewis. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, why six thousand years? Well, it's yeah, a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I found out today. Um, while I was doing some last minute research, mm. um, that most um, most historians that study like the Pacific consider Taiwan to be the you know the the motherland, mm. if you will, of all of the Pacific Island peoples. Oh, like in the out of Africa type theory, and like the so, spread. Yeah, they from what they there, what or? they think is that so. Um, Around six thousand years ago, Taiwan is settled by by farmers, yeah, um, and they and so the, a lot of this stuff is based on language group mm. stuff, mm. and they they um, the the original inhabitants of Taiwan spoke an Austronesian mm-hmm. mother language, mm-hmm. which then spread out from there uh-huh. to like so the Philippines and then further, yeah, um, and so all of the languages begin in Taiwan and spread out and into spread. the Melanesian Polynesian. Crazy. Places. There yeah. you go. 
That's cool. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. Um, but the, the other reason I brought that up too was that China, um, China's claims over Taiwan mm. has been a really long. That's what long I thing. yeah yeah doing my research too. It's 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 not a new thing that people are trying to like claim to this little island. Yeah, so, and actually yeah. a lot of the, like a lot of early Chinese um, attempts to go to the island. Um, are under the assumption that it's a mythical place um, oh, okay. and that there's like, um, you know, it's it's one of the mythical islands where the gods lived oh. um, for some of the South China um, populations. There you go. So, and that was, that was well before because um, if you didn't know this either, is that, um, you know, most of the Chinese people that we know today are Han Chinese, mm. which is the northern mm. Chinese population that sort of conquered all of what we know as China today. Yeah. Um, but they, these were like a lot of the southern Chinese peoples that were indigenous to southern China before that kind of takeover. Yeah, they, they considered Taiwan to be like a, the island of the gods. Island of the gods, like an Olympus yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, so I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, a lot of the claims to, um, to Taiwan um, begin in the sort of – well, at least I looked at the Qin Dynasty as yeah, me one too. of the first places. Okay. Oh, the Qin or the yeah. Qing? The, I, uh, the Qin. The Qin. I yeah. didn't go back that far. Um, so there you go. <laughs> but that, that is, that's more of a um, a claim of, you know, because, you know, Qin was the first emperor to unify yep. all of China. Yeah. Um, and he considered um, Taiwan as like, mm. well, yes, it's an island of yeah. of China. Yeah. So we're talking um, about 2,000 years ago the, for the yeah, Qin Dynasty. But the... Yeah. the, the the Taiwanese people at that time, yeah, they they wanted nothing to do with the mainland, yeah. Um, and the, but there was a lot of kind of, you know, people would go across, mm. um, and settle, and, yeah. You know, it's not far from the mainland. Can you look up the distance for us, Jimmy? Yes, it's actually yeah, it's definitely not far. It's not far. No, um, it didn't take much to get there. Yeah. Um, but um. Yes. Okay. So yeah, but the the Qing Dynasty yes. is where like the, Which is the, the legal the last claims. dynasty. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So well, I so where I kind of started my research. So we're 161 kilometers from the mainland. Yes, yeah, so not too East far. of the Chinese mainland, very close to Hong Kong. Um, the closest city I think is Fujian. Yeah. No. Uh Yeah. Mm. No, Xiamen. <laughs> Zhangzhou. Uh, it was in the. It, it, it was placed as part of the, the Fujian province, though, wasn't it? Yes, that's yeah. probably where I'm getting that from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, uh, yeah, the Fujian province. Yeah, you got Fuzhou there, but yeah. Anyway, uh, quite close to the Chinese mainland. So um, I started my research around uh, 1624, which is when the Dutch East India Companies <laughs> established a base and, and proceeded to dominate the island for the next couple of decades. So the Spanish tried to get a foothold as well right. and the Dutch were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and they booted them out um, until, so only for about 40 years, um, about 1662 when, because this is the, the downfall of the Ming dynasty yes. and the beginning of the Qing, Qing. dynasty. Yep. Um, so Ming loyalists came and took control of the island um, and they were fleeing from the Manchurians who mm -hmm. were the, the Qing dynasty. Um, yep. So you mentioned the Han before. Yep. So um, that last dynasty, which lasted for about three, 400 years, mm. um, they were Manchu, which was a, they were an ethnic minority. And yes. They controlled China, yes. which is really interesting. It is interesting. Um, for the last 300 years. So, and then by 1683, so I believe the Qing dynasty kind of took over around 1644. That's, <laughs> I think that's the date I always tell kids. Um, so about 40 years after, 1683 is when the Qing forces take control of western and northern coastal areas. Um, and then it's formally declared a province of Qing in 1885. Yes. Yeah. But things are not going very well for the Qing dynasty by that stage. No. 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 Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> by that stage, we're in full-blown imperialism mode in the world. And so um, you've got uh, your British, your French, your even Japan's getting in on the action, your Russians. 
trying to take control of various parts of China and you've got the opium mm-hmm. wars yep. and, and all of that's going on. Um, so the Chinese went to war with Japan, the Sino-Japanese yep. war, lost um, dramatically. And so Taiwan actually became part of, uh, was ceded to Japan in 1895 with the Treaty of Shimonoseki. Yes. And so it was a Japanese territory until 1945. Yeah, it was. And... Uh, they they actually revert it back to its Portuguese name. Oh, did um, they? Which is Formosa. Formosa, yeah, yeah. Um, which means beautiful island. Yeah, which um, it does look like it is. Yeah, yeah. it does, and mm. it's it's actually like more mountainous than I realized too. Like it's yeah. crazy mountains yeah. that are higher than the highest mountain in Australia. Well, yeah. <laughs> Don't have many mountains here, but um, in I was listening to this weird podcast, and so they were talking about this uh, movie that was made in Taiwan in uh, 1979, and it had Mel Gibson and um, Sam Neill in it. And I thought it was going to provide some kind of useful insight into the politics of Taiwan mm. at that time, but mm. it did not. Yeah. But a lot of films are filmed in Taiwan, mm-hmm. including Silence, that one about the Japanese, um, the, the Jesuit priests in Japan in like the 1800s uh, with Liam Neeson and yeah. Adam Driver and okay. Andrew Garfield. I haven't heard of that. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I know. I was like, that's a, it's right up your alley uh, in terms of the actors that are in yeah. it. Um, but yeah, it's it's a full, it, I only saw the shorts of it and okay. decided it would probably be a bit too, bit too full much. on. A bit yeah, too right. full on for me. Sure. Um, but yeah, that was filmed there because this scenery like the mountains mm-hmm, and the, mm-hmm. it rains a lot and um yeah it's it's really kind of epic scenery um so yeah lots of movies get filmed there oh there you go mm. okay um that was a fun fact yeah that, that is a fun fact um too late yeah. to do the jingle now Sorry. Uh, actually one one actually do you do you want a fun fact because james you know just, i do james just gave you one hang on let's let's fun fact fun facts fun facts with Siobhan. Do you mm. want to read it out, Siobhan? Okay. <laughs> yep. So do, to, do is this, to, is this to give us an idea of like the proximity? Yeah. Of, yes. Okay. Yeah. So if we're wondering for some kind of comparison about the proximity of Taiwan to China, mm. Tasmania is about 250 kilometers across the Bass Strait from the mainland of Australia. Yeah. Um, but Taiwan was only, what was it? 161. 161. So much closer. Much closer. Yeah. So there you go. What a fact. There you go. <laughs> Um, so Japanese rule, um, and if you think about Japan, like most people just think about, you know, the, the main islands of Japan, um, and Name forget them. a lot about oh, <laughs> Honshu, uh, k- uh, k- <laughs> Kyushu, Kyushu. <laughs> Ashikoku, yeah, and Okinawa, I knew Okinawa, Hokkaido. Hokkaido. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway. Thank you, thank you for that. Pop quiz. <laughs> um, most people think about those islands, but yeah. then there's also a bunch of islands Lots, yeah. to the south yeah. um, that lead all the way yeah. to Taiwan yeah. as well. And so it wasn't it wasn't a massive stretch no, that Japan that, wanted yes. Taiwan as part of its islands. Yes. And uh, like during this time too, you usually think of like um, Japanese rule, not so great. Mm, it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the Taiwan actually kind of thrived. Um, their uh, livability increased. There was investment in it. There was development of infrastructure um, and like standard of living drastically improved for the Taiwanese under Japanese rule. Yeah, well, there, um, there was... Um, and I don't, I don't know how true this is, but there was a lot of, um, you know, the talk about how before and, and during the the Qing dynasty that um, the Taiwanese were still doing things like headhunting, right? Um, and were quite that like you know the Chinese considered them savages, and yeah. they were like you know these savage islanders, and, mm. um, but the Chinese didn't do anything to to curb to it to curb that, yeah. But the Japanese. <laughs> I can imagine um, that they did. Yes, so they they built a bunch of um, uh, schools and and you know, yeah, infrastructure yeah, and things to yeah. to try and bring. Yeah, Taiwan was one of the first countries in the world to have a a, a school system that was compulsory for nine years. Yes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's um it's really yeah. And so and they built um the Japanese built a lot of railroads and things to get mm. um, goods in and out yep. of the hard to reach places um in the middle of the islands sugar and stuff that was you mm. know, um that was there um so yeah so they 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 did a lot to 
industrialize and and, yeah. and move Taiwan further yeah, forward. forward. Yeah, because they needed those natural resources uh, for yeah. what was to come. It, it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't for the benefit of Taiwan. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not. Um, and so, you know, we head into into World War Two kind of times. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what I found interesting here, so obviously World War II, um, so they are being occupied by Japan. Um, but in, it was in 1943, the Cairo Declaration mm-hmm. with uh, Churchill and Roosevelt declared that Taiwan will be returned to the Republic of China. Yeah, and that's so because... quite early, really. Oh, who I can't remember who the Chinese person was at the... Cairo conference was it Chang? Chiang Kai Shek? Was it Chiang Kai Shek? I can't remember. Uh, he was the leader of the, he was the Republic leader. of China. Yes, he was. Yeah. But I can't remember if it was him that was there that was anyway. There, yeah. Because he uh, he was there. Okay. Yeah. It was Chang. Okay, so he pushed super hard to get Taiwan back. Yes. Um, and made a he made some sort of declaration. I can't remember exactly. I've read it, and he um he was like, no, Taiwan, Taiwan is ours. Yeah. Nepal is ours. Yeah. Um, Hong Kong Tibet, is ours. You know, the, the, like, <laughs> all of these. It just all, like it was like. The, Actually, he wouldn't have said Hong Kong because that would have made the British angry, right? Yeah. The, well, yes. Yeah, so it the, would have been was, something. He was they, going after the the places that he could. He knew he could definitely get. get. Yeah. Um, and and was looking for oh, and Mongolia. He went for Mongolia. Oh, okay. Um, Ambitious. Yeah, and so um, they they just agreed with it. In the end, well, they needed yeah. <laughs> allies. Are good. Um, but also, I think it went along with a lot of the other things that they were talking about at mm. the end of World War Two, where yeah. they're like, "Well, we're going to break up these countries, and we're going to give these countries to these people." And yeah, gonna, you know, yeah. Um, there was a lot of that going on. Yeah, it's um, interesting to me that they were doing that as early as 1943. Like, um, like, was it that clear that Japan was going to lose by then? I don't know. It wasn't. Yeah, it I, didn't, I didn't think so. <laughs> In fact, things were only just ramping up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, America had only just entered the war then, yes. really. Like yes. 1942, they entered the war. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Japan were, they like they still had most of the Pacific at that point. Mm. Um, America were making some inroads, but I don't even think, I can't remember when Midway was. 43. Um, Midway was 43. I think so. That's, yeah. that's kind of when most people consider the tide turning. In favour of 42. the Americans. I was wrong. Okay. So I guess, 7th of June, right, 42. So I guess, yeah, I guess the tide was kind of turning. I guess so. Midway um, is a turning point. Yeah. yeah. And so, they're, they're, you know. But by no but means they still over. It wasn't no done. Means it over. was definitely, yeah. definitely not done. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's still another three years before it's yeah, over. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but, and for China, um, like the end of World War Two was not the end of their worries <laughs> not at all no um, got, if anything it got a little bit worse yeah um but some interesting stuff that i found at, at the end of at the end of world war ii mm. um china's wishes granted they get taiwan yeah um and there was a lot of uh people were concerned that um you know when when china lost taiwan to japan they were just savages yeah but now what what are we going to find when we when we, when we re- get there? re-inherit them um, yeah and what they did find was a bunch of people who had now had a national identity. Yeah. Yeah. And did not want them there. Yeah. Um, and the governor that um, Chen Kai-shek sends, mm. I can't remember his name now. Is it Chen? Chen, yeah. Chen, yes. Yeah. That sounds right. Um, he, check, um, please. He was like. Oh, no, Chen Yi, I've got it. Yep. Chen Yi. Chen Yi. He was, he was brutal. Against the, the Taiwanese. Yeah, so we've got the um, February 28th incident. Oh, man. That yeah, was, so, that's ridiculous. Yep. So <laughs> I had some notes on this. Yeah, go so, for it. So um, it there was – so when Chen Yi came in and took over as governor of Taiwan, there was severe economic mismanagement that led to, like, a huge amount of, like, instability and frustration and resentment from the locals. Um, and then it was kicked off with um, – a 40-year-old widow was selling cigarettes or something yes. and they were confiscated from her and she wanted them back and this police officer would like hit her. Yeah, because so there, there's a there was a government department, mm, the, uh, the Monopoly. The bank, wasn't it? It was... There were the, there were the Monopoly department. Oh, now I can't remember. Something, something to do with yeah, Monopoly. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And they, and they did, were trying to stop people selling on goods the black that market. were on the back market, yeah. which was yeah. things like alcohol, yeah. cigarettes, etc. Yeah. Which yeah, were yeah. they had been forced into because of the economic mismanagement of the Chinese. After the Japanese left, the, the Taiwanese were, were poor, mm. essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, 
but yes, they they beat this woman, yeah. and there's a massive protest that, that starts the next day. Yeah, yeah, um, and they, we, they don't know how many people were killed, but it's estimated eighteen to twenty eight thousand were killed mm. in just the, in this one incident. Yeah, and it kind of started uh, the um, period of white terror, which actually didn't start until two years later. But it, they do say there's like a direct link between this yeah and it's that's when um there was political repression of the taiwanese civilians under the kuomintang government Mm. um it was went from may 1949 to september 1992 yeah um and so they estimate that approximately three thousand to four thousand people were executed uh during that period of time and that's not taking into account the um the deaths that occurred on this February yeah. 28th incident. Yeah. yeah. Well, cause so this, this actually starts the period of time where I was like, huh, I didn't know any of this. I didn't know. Well, I didn't real, <laughs> what I didn't realize was that. And so what we're about to talk about, I guess, is that things on mainland China are not going well for mm. the Kuomintang. Yeah. Um, they're about to be overrun by the communists. Mm. Like they're fighting yeah, the so communists and, and they're trying real hard and they're trying really hard to get the US to be involved. The US are like, we don't want to be we're involved. We're a bit tired, guys. Let's not. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, yeah, the, um, but Chiang Kai-shek was mm. pretty smart about what was going on. He knew mm. he was in trouble. Mm. And so he did a whole bunch of things that I found quite fascinating. Mm. He moves just, well, let's yep, just go. stop and establish who's who in the zoo. Yes, go. Yes, yeah. So yes. we've got the Kuomintang, mm-hmm. uh, who are like the nationalists, They're who the nationalists. are the government at this point. They are the government of the People's Republic of China. Yes, the People's Republic of China. They're the recognised, um, globally recognised government under Chiang Kai-shek. Yes. Then you've got the Communist Party yep. led by Mao Zedong. Yes. Um, and, the, yeah, so after World War Two they are embroiled in civil war. Yes. Um, yeah. So established, go. Yeah, good. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so th- like I was saying, the US didn't want to get involved. Um, and so Chiang Kai-shek decides um, if we're going to have to get out because of what's going on, mm. we should take some stuff with us. <laughs> so he <Smart>. moves <laughs> He moves like all the gold reserves yep. from the main bank of China to yep. Taiwan. Yep. He moves something like a third of all the museum pieces in China mm. to Taiwan. People love playing with art, don't they? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, apparently, so I've heard, if you the, the National Museum in Taiwan mm. is one of the best places to see ancient Chinese artifacts mm. because they just took all the best bits <laughs> and took it to Taiwan. Um, but Shame he also, get there, he got, he got all the, the government, the current government mm. shipped them over. He, the, there were, um, by the time it's kind of established that the communists are going to take over, yeah, about five thousand soldiers per day, yeah, were fleeing to Taiwan, yeah, um, yeah. I had another. Um, I think it was like one point two million people, yeah, relocated. That's the estimate, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't. Oh, in the forties and fifties, one point two million people relocated yeah. from China to Taiwan, and that's not taking into account the people who, because uh, I heard this too. Like there was people fleeing everywhere mm. they were going all over the place mm. um people who didn't want to stay under the yeah. chinese rule yeah yeah um under the communist rule sorry yeah um but yeah so chiang kai-shek flees as well mm. um and um it, yeah i think th- and this is what i didn't realize was that um you know i always had it in my head that um this government arrived in taiwan it was like hooray like here's the we're going to establish ourselves here yeah and then we're going to take back china it's going to be great and the nat- you know the the, the Taiwanese people were like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. But that wasn't the case no. at all. <laughs> <laughs> Go away. <laughs> um, um, because in my head, because before I did any of this research, in my head, the Taiwan, yeah, sure. Okay, it was part of China. Like, mm. sure. And mm. they thought that, but that's not, no. that's not what they thought at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like a very distinct um, national identity. Yeah. Yeah, going on there. Yeah. yeah. And, and actually like multiple national identities mm. too, uh, I found out in Taiwan because there were like this, there's, there's still people there that, that like trace themselves back to, you know, I was talking about yeah. the Polynesian. Yeah, yeah. There's people who trace themselves all the way back to that. And there's like three or four different languages that they were speaking mm. at the time. And that like, it's just. Don't you love it when history is complex? Yeah. So complex. Yeah. Um, but so, yes, the the uh, the PRC, the People's Republic of China yes. government, yep. arrive in Taiwan and begin their, well, not begin, but. 
continue their white terror. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, against the people of Taiwan, kind of trying to, um, Chiang Kai-shek really knew that he needed to, um, establish himself on Taiwan in order to stop the communists from coming mm. and just, just obliterating taking everything. Them. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which he did. Um, mm. a, Mao sent forces to mm. Taiwan, mm. um, and because Chiang was prepared for that um mm. they were abruptly defeated yeah um, yeah very quickly um yeah so um when officially is Mao Zedong like president of 1949 China? that's what I thought yeah yeah um is when is when that happens yeah uh I'm not sure exactly when in 1949 but it's yeah yeah and so then we've got um We've got Chiang Kai-shek in Taiwan at the same time. And he lives till 75. I was really surprised. Yeah, I was like, survived all of this. Yeah, he, he like, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and actually Mao Zedong was uh, 1976. So there you go. That, was, that would have left a huge power vacuum at that time, right? And like would have been really um, like big question marks going on in the 70s when that happened. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not actually sure about – I haven't really looked into the – Communist Party leadership mm. like that before. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure. I mm. wonder if it was a bit more like, I wonder if it was like Russia where, you know, there were always people, people ready wings. to step up. Yeah, they're um, probably. Because were. of how strong the party structure yeah. was in Russia. Yeah. I wonder if the party structure was the yeah. same. You know, I've Maybe. seen Mal. I went to the mausoleum. Oh, I've did seen, you see him? Yeah, I've seen It's It's intense. I bet it is. Yeah. Yeah. And like you're, you're walking so quickly through and they're so um, – you know, strict about you can't take bags or anything in mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so and like definitely no photos or anything right, yeah, like yeah. that. But it was it was a really bizarre experience. Were there, were there lots of people? So many people because it's in the middle yeah. of Tiananmen Square. Yes. Um, and yeah, it, it, there are so many people. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And you just wow. like, you just file in, you come around, you're like, oh, there's Mao. And then you file out again <laughs> and you're like, that was weird. There he goes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. And like you're not close enough to get a really good look, um, which is probably a good thing because he's been dead for a while. But um, yeah, it's 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 a bizarre experience for a Westerner who's not used to bodies being on display like that. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, so James has just looked up some of the party leaders after Mao mm. and they don't last very long. <laughs> um, so I don't know, maybe... Yeah, quite short terms going on. So a little bit of instability perhaps. Possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, there you go. So we want to get into like US-China relations, so, Australia-China relations. Yeah, well, so I thought, or? you know, that that's kind of Taiwan. The Taiwan, so just to kind of wrap up a little bit of Taiwan, mm. um, you, they, the PRC stay there and they, they do eventually have elections mm. it's called the republic the of china now right um, well because everything i saw it's it's roc roc Repu- yeah, yeah so republic they of china. um yeah so their national anthem is the republic of china anthem mm-hmm. the flag is the republic of china flag yeah um so yeah and i i couldn't find a lot of like people who were one way or the other like do we do we care that they're still Right. The the you know the legacy of the PRC here. Do we like what what's the like I analysts or I couldn't historians? Find, I couldn't who, find a modern kind yeah. of take on yeah. what do we think of them? Yeah. Um, or whether or not that you know that million people who have come have now kind of disseminated into mm. the population it's, and it's kind of just well that's how it is now. It's very interesting. Like I I do have actually quite a fun fact that I think you'll enjoy. Ooh, so okay, play my thing. Sure. Fun fact. <laughs> fun fact. <laughs> Fun facts with Siobhan. All right. So it is um, put forth that Taiwan has what is probably the world's best human intelligence network in China. Oh. So they reckon lots and lots of Taiwanese spies in China. Right. Um, And like... It's obviously this is very hard to know because it's not documented. Mm. <laughs> um, but they notified the World Health Organization about human to human COVID transmission as early as the 31st of December 2019. Whoa. So it's like, how could they have known about that if they didn't have a really good spy network going on? Yeah. Um, and apparently they were actually very concerned too because, like, Wuhan, it's like one of the um, like regions and they weren't 
telling Beijing that information, like they were trying to contain it themselves before mm-hmm. telling Beijing. And so they actually like gave the information <laughs> to Beijing as well. I mean, like, guys, you might want to like get on this. Um, wow. So, Isn't yeah. That interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually, they, they reckon they've got the, and that's how they, they're, they're all, they're kind of always at the head of the game. Like with, yeah. oh, and they, they fared very, very well during the pandemic. Mm. Because they had quite well, early It doesn't warning. surprise me that they would want that. Mm. Oh, um, yeah. I would say so. <laughs> so. Yeah, okay. Well, let's let's get into um, some US-China yeah. relations, yeah. US-Taiwan relations too we're going to talk a little sure, bit about. Sure, go. Um, but, uh, you know, just to, just to set the scene. Go. Let's say China. 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 The great mind of Sino-global relations. Yeah. 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 Um, (laughs) One of the foremost leaders on the topic. Just, uh, you know, (laughs) he really really knew. He got into the mind of Xi Jinping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, um, yeah, look, so um, initially the US didn't want anything to do with Taiwan. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, because if we're talking again that immediate post-war period... (laughs) They're kind of exhausted. Yeah. They're like, let's just regroup. And but also, I mean, they didn't want anything to do with the communists either, because mm. you know we're in that time period. We yeah. hate communists. Yeah. And um, the um, the the US were also kind of sore because they sent General Marshall was there mm. to try and you know broker a peace treaty between the PRC and Japan um, and um, no 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 and um, the communists. Right, oh, he, was, okay. he was trying to top, stop oh, the civil okay. war. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Right, and that's when Chiang Kai-shek was like, "Guys, come help us out." Yeah, and the right. US were like, "No, that's a civil war. No, we're not getting you. involved." Yeah. Um, and then we don't do that. Once they lost, they came back, and there were a bunch of people in US Congress who were like, "Why did we let that happen?" Yeah, that was dumb. <laughs> that was really bad. Like that, <laughs> that was... that's dumb. Now they're <laughs> communists. We don't want that. Maybe they thought Chiang Kai-shek um, like was gonna win or something. <laughs> <laughs> You've got this, buddy. <laughs> um. So th- th- and. Um, so things kind of take a little while before it kind of the dust um, settles. Dust settles. Mm. But uh, the Korean War is when things oh, yeah, yeah, pick yeah. up between the US and Taiwan because yeah. Chiang Kai-shek's like, "Hey, we can we can help we'll you help out. You. We'll help you out." Mm. Um, and they they do. And then eventually, in 1953, Eisenhower lifts. The, there was a naval blockade mm-hmm. on Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Eisenhower lifts the naval blockade, um, and then. Um, there was a um, like a I can't remember what it's called now. Straits of Taiwan crisis. Okay, yeah. sure. <laughs> uh, um, where um, you know, so may, the um, Chiang Kai Shek deploys troops um, to different islands in the Taiwan Strait mm-hmm. in 1954, mm-hmm. and the China's People Liberation Army, who are the Communist yep. Army, yeah, um, they respond by shelling the islands. Washington mm. signs a mutual defense treaty with um, Chiang Kai-shek. Yep. And in the spring of 1955, the United States threatens a nuclear attack on China. Really? Yes. Wow. Um, and then in the April of 1955, China agrees to negotiate claiming um, a limited victory after the nationalist withdrawal from Dakin Island. Right. Um, and so that, like, so Taiwan gets a couple of islands out of it. Yep. China... Okay loses a little bit out of it. Yeah. Um, and America threatens to nuke them. Yeah. Okay. Um, there you go. But then... And everyone knows they can. Well, it's, they- <laughs> at that point, yeah. I believe that's probably when Mao was like, well, I think we need some nuclear weapons. Yeah. <laughs> we need to have a deterrent. Um, yeah. Which takes them about 10 years. 1964. Okay. China explodes their first nuclear weapon. Okay. Um, and actually, I might even put this link in our show notes because oh, yeah. it's so scary. There is a video mm. that you can get of China's first nuclear test mm. where they like, um, they're all like dressed up in like, you know, these scary like outfits okay. for nuclear radiation yeah, yeah. and they're on horseback and they've got like, they've actually got sabers um, and they like charge towards the, the explosion. Like, what? cause well, it's, it's a, it's a battle test. So the idea is that they explode the nuke and then, you know, and then you they're ride see, through it. And well, they're see trying what to see. Happens. They're trying to see what they can do okay. tactically with a nuke, right? Okay. But it's super. It's super creepy. Wow. Um, I'll, I'll put a link to it because it, yeah. It's, okay. It's interesting to watch. Sure. Um, but um, so they get they get the nuke and then 
And then America, I guess, is kind of like, well, okay, <laughs> we'll back off. Uh, and so they do a little. They, yeah. yeah, they do a little bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, then we get to sort of so um, we get to the seventies, mm-hmm. and things haven't been going well for America fighting against communists in the Cold War. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> um, and uh, so uh, Nixon is actually the first. I was going to say, what president we up president? To? Yeah. yeah. So Nixon. Yeah. Nixon decides to go and visit China in 1972. There you um, go. Yeah. Uh, which he is, you know, the, the first kind of recognition s- of the communist government. Yeah. Would you say it's one of the good things to come out of the Vietnam War was this idea that, okay, we can't fight them. Like maybe we should talk with them. Yeah. Like, and pro- probably, you know? probably is. Yeah. Cause um, Australia, was it? Was it, was it our man Goff? It was our man Goff. <laughs> our man Goff who <laughs> recognised the government and went over and met he did. Mao. Mao? Yeah. 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 No, it wouldn't have been Mao. No, it, was, it wasn't Mao. No. It was the next guy. The next guy. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever his name was. Mr. President. <laughs> um, and then in 1979, uh, we're up to President Jimmy Carter mm. and he is the first US president to recognise the one China policy. Yes. So the one China policy yep. is the policy that the communist government sets up mm-hmm. declaring which parts of the world are Chinese mm-hmm. and we are going to bring them into the fold. Into the fold. Mm. The one, one China. Yeah. And it includes um, Taiwan. It includes Taiwan. Mm. Um, now, uh, Carter recognizes it mm. as a, you know, yes, we see you have the one China policy. <laughs> Yeah, essentially. Um, <laughs> that is all I'm going to say because about that. Because this, this period of time sets off what I've, and I think this is just absolutely fascinating. Mm. There is a series of like policy juggling acts that mm. the US goes through, mm. which is still in effect today. Yes, I was going to say, I'm like, it's still happening. <laughs> um, because they don't want to abandon Taiwan mm. and they don't want to anger China. Yeah. So they have, and this is legitimately the name, they have the policy of deliberate ambiguity. <laughs> I love that. I think that's so great. <laughs> and what it says is, yes, China, you have a one China policy, but we support Taiwan. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Just the quietly. one country, two systems? No. One country, two systems is the Hong Kong policy. Yeah. Which was at the end of when With when the British, British left in 1997. Handover, yeah. The idea was that China was like, yeah, we're not going to stop Hong Kong from doing what it was doing. So For fifty years, we'll wasn't be, it supposed to be? We'll be one country, but we'll have you will let you keep your system. Yeah. That you've got. So it's one country, two systems. That yeah. was the idea with Hong Kong. Yeah. And we all know how we can we've seen how that's gone. Yeah. Um which it, it took a little while, but we're we're now at the point where So one of my questions mm. then is uh why are we um outraged and saber rattling over Taiwan? But we kind of let Hong Kong happen. Yeah, it's like, a good, it is a good question. We just let it happen. It is um, a very good question. And there was a lot of talk um, about it, and I'm sure there was a I lot of diplomatic think, stuff happening behind the scenes. But I think the biggest thing is we, you know, there was big fanfare in 1997 mm. about the colonial era is over. Yeah. Finally, yeah. after all these years, yeah. British, Britain's going to give it back to China. Mm. Isn't this great? Mm. Such a good thing to happen because, mm. you know. Hong Kong is Chinese, the right thing to do. We took it off them in an unfair and unequal treaty. We'll give it back. Yeah. Um, Cool. Yeah. And now, legally, Hong Kong is Chinese. Yeah. So So we don't... we, we we don't have a right to get involved anymore in the up. in the sense that if we said, well, we're going to support Hong Kong like we support Taiwan, mm. um. That's definitely going to start a war. Yeah, right. In my mind. Yeah. Because China's got a legitimate way, right to say Hong Kong, Hong Kong is, is China. Hong Kong is China. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. You gave it back to us. Yeah. <laughs> we've we've got it. Mm. Um we we make the rules in, in Hong Kong. You can't yeah. just waltz on in. Mm. Um Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which um so on the opposite side of deliberate ambiguity. Yes. Um, some people started talking a couple of years ago while Trump was president mm. about, well, should we not have a policy of strategic clarity? Um, I like that too. <laughs> right. Um, which, which essentially is... Imagine writing these policies yeah. being like, is this actually my job? Well, the, the policy of strategic clarity is, well, we're going to choose. Yeah. 
Pick a side. Let's pick a side, shall yeah. we? Um, and of course, by pick a side, the people who want strategic clarity, they want to pick Taiwan's side because mm. they want a war with China. Do they want a war with China or they just want to defend the little people? No, I think they want a war with China. Why? So the people, the people that are saying this mostly are um, what you would call hawk Republicans. Okay. Right. Who think so they can win? Who think they can win? Who think they can win? They think they can win. That's really, I don't know, a bit silly. So, you know, some of the, I, I looked up some of these things um, in, in my research. Mm. I think at this point... Um, obviously China has the manpower yes. in a war with the United States. Yes. Right? How many billion of them? Too many. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and But most people think that the technological advantage is swinging back to America. Really? So it was, so the technological advantage had been with, well, it still is with China right yeah. now. Yeah, right? okay, okay. Um, and it has been for, you know, 15 years or so. Mm. Um, but they think right now, the swing is back on towards the United States. However, it's going to take possibly another 10 years before the United States is technologically better than China again. Mm, okay, right? yeah. So um, we need time. So there is still, yeah, there's still like this idea that, yes, America will win a war if it happens. Mm. Um, and so there are some people who are pushing for the beginnings of whatever that's going to look like. Right. Um, which I think is kind of scary. Yeah, but like I just mean it's it's um, my concern is that it's unhelpful to talk about it like this. And I always like I say to the kids when I teach, I'm like, nothing is inevitable. I hate oh, I yeah. hate it when it's like yeah. you know war anywhere is inevitable. Hmm. I'm like, well, if it's inevitable, what? Why do diplomats have jobs? Like, what's the point? Yeah. of any yeah. of our like attempts to that's um, right prevent it. That's right. Um. So, and I can imagine, I can only imagine what's going on behind the curtain with all of these, you know, talks and negotiations mm-hmm. trying to prevent it. And um, my other concern too with the, uh, with article campaigns, like what the Sydney Morning Herald is running is that we have a really significant um, Australian Chinese population. Mm. And when you start talking about stuff like this, I think one thing that is inevitable is racism and mm-hmm, um, like mm-hmm. these people are going to start feeling isolated and alienated in their home country yeah. and um, it's it's really not helpful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's definitely it's, possible. On the flip side of that though, I do know a lot of the Chinese community in Australia hate the Communist Party so much mm. that like they, they will never vote Labour because they consider right, them they, too communist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they are okay with harsh rhetoric against China. Against China, yeah. Um, even even if that means mm. we become more racist. <laughs> I think yeah. like, there's a lot of people that are just like, nah, China's got to, you know. Get got. Get got. <laughs> Uh, it, 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 it's just, yeah, it is interesting. So, um, but Keating had a lot to say. You love Paul, don't you? <laughs> Tell us I, about okay. Keating. Um, yeah. So Paul Keating wrote a, an article kind of bashing the, the Sydney Morning <laughs> the Herald. Sydney Morning Herald. Yeah. Um, and he said it was the most egregious and provocative news presentation in five decades. Um, five decades. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> a lot's happened in those um, five decades. So, uh, he, so he, wrote a statement. He said, uh, oh, wait, here, here we go. Um, Today's Sydney Morning Herald and Age front page stories on Australia's supposed war risk with China represents the most egregious and provocative news presentation of any newspaper I've witnessed over, uh, in over 50 years of active public life. It is way worse than the illustrated sampans shown to be coming from China in the build-up to the war with Vietnam in the 60s. Um Apart, yeah, go. Apart from the outrageous illustrations of jet aircraft being shown leaving a profiled red-coloured map of China, the extent of the bias and news abuse is, I believe, unparalleled in modern Australian journalism. I have to agree. Hmm. I have to agree. And I um, love that he pointed out the same things that I pointed out at the beginning. So go me. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I, it's just it's, it's not news reporting. <laughs> now, I, I, I didn't 
find any of these, but apparently, because the Guardian, this is from a Guardian article, but mm. the Guardian wouldn't publish them. Apparently, Mr. Kidding has indulged in personal slurs against the journalists at the Sydney Mercury <laughs> on the Age, which is very Paul Keating. It is very Paul Keating, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't care anymore. Whatever. Um, actually, I'll for, what our, <laughs> for our numerous American listeners, so mm. Paul Keating is a former Prime Minister yes. of Australia yeah. who is well known for his. Uh, Interesting his, his turns colourful, of colourful. <laughs> even even when he was in Parliament. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's what's the thing he said? Um, Which one? <laughs> oh, there's one that. Hang on, like Paul. Um, yeah. So uh, you know, I think um, some of these, some of these people who were writing these articles, like I said before, um, are part of this idea that we should not be appeasing China. We should be standing up to them, you know, like, like we didn't stand up to Hitler. We should stand up to, to Xi Jinping. Yeah. And it's like, well, I don't know. Like, it's not, it's not a hard and fast thing. Like, exactly. Yes, like, we should learn from history, but you know, Xi Jinping is not Hitler. Yeah. And, and we can't and know what he's going to do. It is um, important to learn from the mistakes of the past. However, like you can't, can't just draw parallels and be like, oh, well, we did that wrong. So they will do the opposite this time and see what happens. So like you've got to look at the, the situation. Um, but uh, yeah, the situation as it is and, um, and, you know, act accordingly. I yeah, think. Exactly and, and, right. and, and, you know, now we have nuclear weapons. So can everyone just calm Just chill. Chill down guys. A little bit. <laughs> just chill. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I didn't even talk about, uh, we're running pretty long now, but okay. I didn't even talk about the belt and road policy that China has. Oh which yeah. Is a really yeah interesting, that is interesting. Give um, us a quick, thing. yeah. So quick rundown um, in 2013, I think it was mm. um, she, president, she, um, decided to embark on a, a foreign policy spending spree, essentially, called the Belt and Road Policy, which is essentially China funding large infrastructure projects in other countries. Mm. Um, it is, uh, in, there are good and bad things about it. The good thing is it is, you know, it's actually um, changing the economic fortunes of a lot of the countries that are signed up to it. Mm. Um you know, a lot of places in Southeast Asia, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Indonesia, um, Singapore, Malaysia, they're all taking um, lots of money from China to build lots of infrastructure. It's, it's, it's bettering trade in the, in the region. There's a lot of money. Um, there's, there's a lot of infrastructure being built in, in Africa as well. Um, and a lot of, so the, the, like there are good things coming out of it. Yeah. However, the people on the other side will say that, what China is doing is spending this money in order to create infrastructure for them to then use later on. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> when they're, they've got the boots um, on the ground. And, yeah. and a lot of people accusing China too of being uh, neo-colonialists. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, and which is ironic. <laughs> I mean, well, yes, pots and kettles guys. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's another thing. It's like if you're going to – you've got to look at the rhetoric of these leaders and to take clues of what's going on but also look at their actions. And at the moment, um, you know, China is still investing large sums of money in Australia. And and if a war is inevitable and coming soon, we will take possession of those things as soon as that a war is declared. So, that is true. Like, and we are actually – Australia is signed up to a Belt and Road Initiative, which is the Asia Infrastructure Bank. Mm, yeah. Um, and we, you know, so we're signed up to this thing that China has set up mm. to create better infrastructure in Asia. We're, yeah. we're actually part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So it's, you know, uh, China is really, really heavily dependent on trade. Like, and yeah. and yeah. as soon as a war happens, like that's over. So, yeah, that, like they need to, they, they're not going to act um, brashly. No, um, it's not going to. So you know, yeah, it's definitely not going to be a decision made lightly mm. and it's not going to be a decision made in the spur of the moment. I don't no, think. no. Like it's not hot headedness. And so the, the, that's what I, again, I find with all of this um, red alert. Like yeah. It's yeah. Um, let's just try and be smarter about it. Shall we? <laughs> <laughs> I found the quote from Katie. Oh, you did? Oh, yes. Yes, please. <laughs> it was, I don't know if we can say it. It's a bit naughty. Um, but it's when Hewson says, I asked the Prime Minister, if you are so confident about your view of the fight back, why will you not call an early election? Keating, the answer is, mate, because I want to do you slowly. 
Yeah. It's just a really important part of Australian <laughs> history, I think. <laughs> All right. Uh, love that. Well, that's, that's how, how it came, came to this. this. As always, you can catch us by email. How did it come to this podcast at gmail.com? We're on Twitter and Facebook at HDICTT Podcast. If you like the show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review. How Did It Come To This is written by Daniel Matters and Siobhan Doherty. Our producer is James Tuckwell, edited by Daniel Matters, original music by Lachlan McWhirter. We're too big. Are we though? Yeah. For them to take a northern port to get minerals out of? Because that's what they own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're leasing it for 100 years. Well. They don't own it. Yeah, they're tenants. They're tenants. And like any good Australian landlord, yeah. we're going to boot them out with one week's notice, <laughs> raise the rent. Hike the rent. The rent's gone up 10,000. <laughs> disproportionate amount. And we're not going to do anything to improve the value of the property. So take that. No, <laughs> do you want me to paint those walls? I don't they think didn't, so. They New didn't maintain carpet, the garden. The bow. And they put pictures on the walls, James. Yeah. We told them no thumbtacks. We told them explicitly no thumbtacks. It's disrespectful. It's disrespectful. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> After that. What are you talking about again? China. Sorry? China. 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 China.